American girls and American guys will always stand up and salute. We'll always recognize when we see old glory flying. There's a lot of men dead, so we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our heads. A little blast from the past, Toby Keith. Angry American was a song that he wrote and performed and did a lot of work in on the days after 9-11. And we thought it was fitting, uh, given the 20-year anniversary that we're coming up on on Saturday, September 11th, 2021. 20 years, Devaney. It's uh, pretty unbelievable. Welcome back, Walker. Yeah, well, this is our taking a little break from the podcast. And we're coming back uh, as the the kids are coming back into school. And uh, we just felt felt like this week we wouldn't really have a guest. We'd just kind of reflect on our time, you know, the 20 years since 9-11 and kind of recount our own kind of 9-11 stories a little bit. It's It was just such an impactful day for everyone. And, um, you know, those of us that remember it and were there, um, it's something we don't want to forget. Yeah, I think everybody probably knows where they were on 9-11-2001. If you ask them, everybody has a story. Now, I mean, obviously, if you're in New York or Washington, D.C., you felt it firsthand. And I know you were in Washington. Um, I was in Houston, Texas, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, but I think wherever you are, I think that uh, that you felt it as an American. That's right. I mean, I, I, I was in D.C. Um, I was working for Fred Thompson. I was his driver. Um, and it was, it was, uh, it was a certainly, um, I think you said it really well. We were, we were living it. It wasn't just a, you know, thing far away or a, um, you know, uh, a deal that we were all sharing as a country. I mean, I, I looked out the window of the Dirksen building and saw the smoke from the Pentagon before it was even announced on the news. And so, um, you know, we saw it firsthand and I worked across the street from the Capitol, which was, one of the two targets of the fourth plane and you know that that uh that stress and anxiety was real when we realized that it was they weren't they weren't just attacking in new york they were attacking where i was where we were living and working yeah so tell me this when you uh, when did you first find out about it so i was uh fred's driver um i picked him up um at his condo on pennsylvania avenue and uh every morning and we have a newspaper and have a Washington Post and a Wall Street Journal waiting for him in the front seat. And uh, we'd always kind of have I Miss in the Morning on in the background. It was usually what I listened to in the morning back then. And um, we'd we'd kind of I'd have it very low volume so he could read the paper. Um, and we were we were he got in the car. It was like we Senate had just gone back in session because it was, you know, early September. And uh Warner Wolf, the sportscaster, had come on the IMAS show, was talking about how a plane had hit the the North Tower. Um, and we're driving along Pennsylvania Avenue, and Warner's describing the the scene, and Fred turned up the volume to listen because it was just obvious that this was just out of the norm. Mm-hmm. And as we were pulling up to the Capitol, um, Fred, could Fred, sense- sensed it. Fred sensed that it was out of the norm. Oh, oh, well, yeah, we both did. Um, You know, we're sitting in the car and you just you could sense that this this the the description of what was happening was was bad. I mean, I I remember vividly Warner Wolf saying this is terrible. 
Mm-hmm. And because, you know, at first you hear a plane, you're like, God, was it like a little plane? Was it just somebody veering off course? And yeah, that's what he, I originally thought. When he I was saw describing, it. you know, just really bad things. And so we pulled up to the Capitol and. You know, you could sense a tension amongst the Capitol Police that really only felt similar to uh, a State of the Union where just everything was on higher alert. And bef- that was even before the second plane had hit. Um, and you could feel the detention just being in the car driving around the campus. Um, and I dropped Fred off at the corner of the Dirksen building and, um, you know, he, he, he looked at me and said, what do you think? And I said, God, this sounds like a terrible accident. And he, he looked me square in the eye as we were walking out, as he was about to walk out the door and said, this was no accident and wow. walked upstairs. And I was just shocked at that. And so you just that moment of like, oh, my goodness. Um, and this is for the second planet. Hit. He he knew Fred he knew. always had he always had really good instincts about things. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so he walks upstairs. I go and park the car and come into the office and everybody you could just sense again. I mean, just the news was on. Everybody was watching it. And um, then, you know, as everybody saw the second plane hit and you know, it's just just horrible. Um, all of a sudden, being in the Senate office, though, I mean, Fred was on the Intel committee and, you know, every, everything kind of gets into the point of like, OK, like. This is actually work. We have to figure out what's going to happen here. Um, and I remember sitting in my computer, you know, not really being able to, to work. Everybody's just staring at their TVs. And uh, I remember looking out the window um and seeing a smoke plume kind of off in the distance behind the Capitol, you can actually see the Capitol dome and behind it, you can see the Pentagon to a certain degree. And I kind of, you know, made a, you know, was trying to bring some levity as I tried to do to tough situations saying, look, you know, it looks like something's happening here too. Just not knowing what else to say, probably in hindsight was a stupid thing to say, but, um, and then within Three or four minutes, Jim Mikulszewski comes on NBC and says there's been a you know major explosion at the Pentagon, and you just see the smoke plume coming out of there. And I connected the two, and just oh my God, all of a sudden it was a New York thing, and now it's a New York and DC thing. Mm. Um, and so just that tension level just rose even further. Um, you know, Fred was standing in the back by his office. I kind of being his driver was kind of like standing there saying, do we need to go somewhere? What's going on? And, um, everybody kind of stayed put. Um, and then, you know, the order to evacuate came. And so we all, you know, kind of decided to leave. Mm. Um, I, I, Fred ended up getting helicoptered to a secure location, um, just cause he was on Intel committee. So I didn't have to drive him. Um, but I've kind of kept my cell phone on, but I, but was, was remembering about, about DC was that the cell phones were just trying to call people was just really difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, cell phones weren't working. Landlines weren't even working really. Um, and as I was in my car, kind of, I was actually going to go meet some friends and we were just going to kind of watch things, but I was on standby. Um, you start hearing news reports on local news of bombs at the state department and, you know, the, the White House is evacuated. And so just the entire city was just feeling like it was under attack. And so you kind of don't know what where to go. So I ended up going to uh, try to meet some friends. Um, and uh, we ended up 
hearing that because of all the attacks at the Pentagon and everything that there was, you know, a need for for blood donations. So mm-hmm. um, we decided to go to NIH to go stand in line to wait to go go donate blood. So I went over there um, to do that, and um, Bonnie Sansonetti calls me and uh, says, "Chris, where are you?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, mm-hmm. Bonnie, I'm." I'm, uh, I'm, Bo- I'm Bonnie Sansonetti being uh, Fred Thompson's. Um, yes, Bonnie was was assistant. Fred's executive director and Lamar's executive assistant for a long for a, for a long time. She's she's truly, she was uh, she was, she she set me straight many times. She's a pro. Um, yes, and I said, Bonnie, I'm I'm actually at NIH trying to go donate blood. She goes, Well, you can do that later. Senator Thompson needs you. <laughs> and so, um, drove back down to dc uh you know from maryland nih was in maryland and um you know the feeling of driving back into town was very much like that scene in independence day where you see all the cars going in one direction and no cars going into town i mean there's just nobody well, i was the... about I was, I was about to ask what the traffic situation was like Traffic that morning was terrible, right? Trying to get out. You just could sent, you know, everybody was leaving at the same time. By that after, but by the time Bonnie had called me, it was like two, maybe one thirty or two. We were kind of wait, standing in line to do that. And um, again, I've just been in my car almost all day. Hadn't really seen much of the video aside from those first examples. And the towers had, had fallen. I didn't really see that because again, well, I saw the first one briefly, um, but then did not see the second one because that's when the evacuation order had happened. Mm-hmm. Um and so we ended up it, so going back into town and driving back into town. And, uh, you know, again, there's just nobody on the streets by two o'clock. It was just empty. It was just felt like a ghost town. And Fred's there at his condo talking with Warren Rudman. And they're just, you know, just things are, are happening quickly. Um, we go back to the Capitol Police Center because the entire, um, you know, Capitol facility was shut down. So there was a, you know, intel briefing at Capitol at the Capitol Police facility uh, Fred went on Larry King that night, so I took him to Larry King. Um, you know, there were several other briefings that happened. You know, 9.30 rolls around, and I realized I hadn't eaten all day <laughs> because mm. you just kind of sit to see the situation. So there was this McDonald's over on Route 1 um, uh, by uh, in Virginia on the other side of the river there. And so I actually just went that way and because I kind of – figured i'd see the pentagon while i did it and so i drove by the pentagon saw the smoke saw the saw the fire fires putting it out and had gotten some food at that mcdonald's just because it was nine o'clock and i hadn't eaten all day um you know kind of had a couple more meetings with the team and you know one thing that i remember particularly about dropping off fred and being there for the um, security briefing that he had was you could hear all the dogs walking through the dirksen building and the Hart building and just all the bomb sniffing dogs and you kind of think for a second like that's my office building. That's where I work every day. And they're sniffing for bombs where you work. Just it was fascinating. Hmm. Um, you know, I remember Fred and, you know, the whole um, whole Congress like went to the uh, front steps of the Capitol and, you know, kind of talked about their resolve and then, you know, broke out and God bless America. And, um, you know, just there was just a lot of just activity that was happening. Um, and so I never saw a lot of the the videos of all the things that had come in throughout the day until, you know, 11 o'clock that night, just, you know, my roommates were like, where have you been? <laughs> like, mm. Where were working? you living at the time? Uh, I was living in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, actually. Okay. So, Got it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was just, uh, um, it, it became a really, 
um, crazy day from a standpoint of it became a shock at the beginning of the day to you kind of set it aside and literally were a part of it in terms of, of work with, you know, a U.S. senator. So it was uh, it's kind of a unique experience kind of being there in D.C., seeing it happen, getting to see the Pentagon the day it was hit, um, you know, kind of working with members of Congress and other offices and just kind of the back and forth of the day, which was, you know, such a which a crazy experience. But at the same time, um, you know, a, a, a definitely, a, um, you know, a, a focused one. Um, and, you know, then I, I remember coming back to my desk the next day, you know, September 12th, and, um, you know, my computer wasn't turned off. And so all of these breaking news alerts, no, there are no Blackberries back then or, you know, iPhones or anything. And so, like, right. all of my emails were still there from the day before. And it was just this eerie feeling of just going back to the place where you just evacuated, you know, expecting that the building across the street from you may explode at any moment. Um, you know, it was just, it was a, it, that was an eerier feeling than, you know, kind of the adrenaline pump of actual 9-11. Um, but, uh, you know, just all of a sudden then everything changes and, um, you know, the cars, you know, when we, when we drive to the Capitol, you know, they had mirrors under the cars to check for explosives and dogs were sniffing mm -hmm. around to get to the, you know, Dirksen office building and, you know, barricades would go up and, um, you know, just everything, you know, they say every, that was the day everything changed, and it certainly did in Washington. Um, and, you know, like Fred being on the Intel Committee, like that was that was a new driving purpose for him, too, um, particularly given just all of the all of his passion on foreign policy. I mean, it was it was a it was a it was a driving moment for him, too, in terms of that. So um, that was that was. It was a big day. I'm sure I'm forgetting details, but it was, uh, when, it was certainly a lot. When you said that he um, he was helicoptered off to an un undisclosed location, do you know where mm -hmm. that was? Andrews I mean, Air Force Base. It was Andrews. I'm not sure okay. I'm supposed to say that, but <laughs> probably doesn't matter Andrews. now. It's probably in the 911 report. Um, um, but yeah, he went out and there. Then, he so out. and then somehow he got back to his apartment. Yeah, I think I think military got him back. I never got asked him, him that actually how he got back. But I I was, you know, like it became like an official function rather than kind of personal staff function. Right. Um but uh he uh once he got back to his condo, he then we then got back into kind of personal staff function where I came in back later, you know, mid afternoon. Was the I'm sorry I'm asking all these questions, but no, is, please. Uh, was um I guess there was the full staff that morning in, in the oh, office. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we were in session. Um, you know, I, I can't Moore, remember exactly what the schedule was. but The late Pal Moore was the chief of staff, right? Uh, Howard Liebengood was chief of staff. Howard Liebengood. Okay. And um, That's right, yeah, because Pal Moore was at the Pal Pentagon. Pal was at the Pentagon. Pal was at the Pentagon when it happened, That's actually. Right. Um, That's right. And so um, we were, you know, it, it was it – was, there there was a lot. Um, and, you know, there's so many details that you come back to on it, just trying to, you know, remember everything that happened. The, the big things to me were I, I'll never forget Fred knowing before the second plane hit that it was intentional. Um, having just that wherewithal to kind of see around that corner was was really, you know, just it'll, it's etched in my brain. Um, seeing the second plane hit, obviously live on television you know, kind of that, that moment of like, okay, now we, now we have to like 
this is a terror attack. Like, what are we doing in a Senate office that we have to work on this? Mm-hmm. And then seeing it happen in your town as well and knowing that you're working across the street from the, you know, the, you know, the easiest, you know, airborne target in the Capitol, um, you know, just again, you know, just it, it, it raises the anxiety and, and, and adrenaline level um, all based on kind of being there at the time. Yeah. And little and little did everyone know that until later that the uh, that the uh, plane that uh, landed in Pennsylvania was meant for the Capitol. Thank goodness, you know, those heroes on the plane, you know, stopped it and, you know, made it the Capitol still standing. I think in large part because of them, they they saw what they that what they were facing and made made the decision to, to fight back, which was, you know, true heroism. Yeah, I read a really very good opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal today about that. Um, about, his name's Todd Beamer, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and if anybody, if you want to read a really good um, story about him, uh, it's in the Wall Street Journal today, Friday, September 10th. So um, anyway, it's very, very interesting. You know, I, I, uh, I was not in Washington, D.C., but I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, that long before that, that I actually, Heather and I lived six blocks from the Capitol. So I can only imagine what people were thinking right there, you know, like you right there at the at the place where everything was happening. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I mean, I. I I remember the aftermath of that, too. Again, I talked about some of the security things, but, you know, Fred was, you know, at the White House a lot after that. We're, you know, meeting with the president, meeting with the national security team. You know, there's just a lot of things that changed there. Um, you know, it, gave, it just it gave an intention and focus that, you know, I just I think was galvanizing. Although I'll tell you, you know, throughout all of it, there were some funny stories, too, um, you know. Uh, Mike Bovenu, who was, uh, you know, the senator's, you know, office, you know, director and just all around good guy from Indiana. Um, he was driving Fred around one time, you know, this is a couple months later and Mike drove a Jeep Wrangler. You know, I drove my Toyota Camry and Mike drove his Jeep Wrangler. Fred, you know, didn't really care which car he was in as long as he had some space. Um, (laughs) and he went to go speak at, uh, um, I think it was Brookings or Aspen Institute or something over there on Massachusetts. And uh, he's pulling away in a Jeep and he gets in and the the folks say, hey, Fred, is this your ride? And he goes, fellas, we're at war. We need to be ready at any moment. So, you know, even in even in moments of seriousness, it was, Fred was just able to to find some moments of, of levity, which is one of the reasons why I loved him. He's just he was a great Senator for our state. Um, and again, just, yeah. he was able to kind of see around those corners early on. Yeah. Um, it is pretty amazing that he, um, was able to pick up that this was not an accident, you know, because when I was, when I first found out about it, I thought it was a small plane that had, you know, flown into the flown into the world trade center. Yeah, there was I remember there was a lot of fog of information. Again, we, you know, oh, like in D.C., sure. there was, you know, just everybody's the bomb at the State Department. I remember specifically, um, you know, explosions on the National Mall. And, you know, when you live there, when you're living it, 
um, it sounds like a movie and you're kind of, you know, suspicious of, of everything. You drive by Union Station, you go, is that next or or what have you? It just was a uh, was a definite, um, you know, change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Reagan National was shut down for several months or maybe several weeks. I can remember weeks. several months but or, or, or a few weeks. It was several weeks. I mean, we I'd drive Fred all the way out to Dallas to get back to D.C., or, you know, back to Nashville just because, um, you know, National was closed, which is fine. It was, you know, it was uh, we got to talk a lot on those car rides instead of a 10 minute car ride it's a 45 minute car ride. So in a way, mm-hmm. it was it was, uh, you know, kind of extra bonding time in a way where we got to just kind of digest a lot of the news. And, um, you know, really kind of assess where the country was going. Um, you know, Afghanistan was being talked about a lot. October 7th, I remember, um, you know, I was at the Tennessee-Georgia game um, when the news – or it was around that time. There was a Tennessee-Georgia game that weekend, and that, that was the news of the, of the Afghanistan, you know, launching of the attack or, the mm-hmm. you know, the, um, the offensive. And, uh, you know, it just all those months were very – I, again, I just I, the only word I can come to is just purpose, purposeful. Yeah, um, I remember that. It was really, you know, a, a every there was a bipartisanship. Um, you know, it started obviously started to to wane. There were there were going to be fights. There are different opinions on stuff, and there should be. Um, but you know, I, I remember the first time Tom Daschle came out to the Senate floor and started blaming Republicans for something and. You kind of go, all right, here we we're back to it already. Back to the norm. Yeah. 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 Um, I am. You know, I had. Go ahead. I was going to say what's also forgotten about that time was that was the same time as the anthrax that was sent to, you know, a couple Senate offices. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there in like September, October, like the entire, um, you know, all of our Senate offices were shut down because of the anthrax that was sent to the building. So we had to, you know, again, nobody was able to go to the office for think a week or two um while they kind of you know cleaned all of the senate offices from 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 that anthrax attack which also you know that was an interesting time because um fred bonnie and i basically the three of us would like go into work together because we couldn't go to our office so fred would work out of his hideaway in the Capitol, and bonnie and i would kind of work outside of it and it was just Mm. the three of us you know dealing with that during that time too again it's just all of these things were just happening in rapid fire um, in just kind of a truly historic, you know, kind of feel. Um, yeah. It was it was it was a crazy time. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't in Washington, but um, I was in Houston and I had just. Oh, gosh, I guess I had been working for Senator Phil. I left Fred Thompson's office to go work for Senator Graham, Phil Graham of Texas. And um I was in Houston and I left that morning and just like in Washington and New York, man, the the sky in Houston was blue and it was actually a really nice day for September in Houston. It's usually it's pretty hot and um, went to this meeting downtown. And, you know, again, the it's not, you know, I wasn't there in New York or Washington, but it was still a very stressful time. So I'm going up the elevator in this high rise in downtown Houston, which is, as you know, the energy capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm in the, I'm going to this, like essentially what's a chamber of commerce, government affairs meeting. And um, so I'm looking at the TV monitor in the elevator and on the news, it's showing this like, you know, um, plane that it hit world trade center. So I think everybody in the elevator just thought, oh, that's kind of odd. 
So we get up to the meeting and we're in there and everybody's kind of talking about it, but it's not like, you know, the meeting's going on and the chamber president gets up there and starts speaking. And then somebody tells him that, um, well, this might be something, something else. And so he goes, that's interesting. So he keeps up, but he keeps on talking. And then we find out that this, that another plane hit the, the second tower. And that's when everybody goes, well, this is not an accident. And, um, they pulled down a big screen and they started broadcasting. I can't even remember what I was watching. I think it was, it was either ABC or NBC. It was one or the other. Um, and um, just we just watched the rest of it happen, the Pentagon, um, all of that. And it was it was pretty surreal. And at the time, the Enron building, Enron headquarters, which, as you know, was sort of a internationally known as some sort of innovative energy company and uh, was making a lot of headlines. Oh, yeah. They were right across the street. And after the Pentagon got hit, all, they started evacuating the building. And we were like, well, that's that's interesting. So we were like, maybe maybe we should get out of here, uh, yeah. you know, because you just don't know. And it, at that point, as you said, there's all these like uns, unsubstantiated reports. You know, they had they said there were like 100 uh, airplanes that were unaccounted for in the air. Yeah, that's you, right. And you did. We just didn't know that if, um, you know, who what the next target was. Was it going to be Los Angeles? Was it going to be? you know, Chicago, Houston, yeah, Chicago, Houston. Yeah. you know, any, any of these places. So we're like, I don't think downtown Houston is the place, you know, we all need to be. So we kind of got out of there, get in the parking garage and still hearing about all these, you know, planes up in the air. And there's this huge line to get out of the parking garage. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world? Like, why aren't they letting the gates open? Well, I get down to the bottom and the, and the guy is just totally unaware of any, the guy at the ticket gate is just totally unaware of what is going on in the news. Oh, no. And he's just slowly like taking everybody's $5 <laughs> bill to get out of the, it's like, you know, Hey dude, like we're in a national emergency here. Anyway, it was just a it was just a crazy day. My, I couldn't get a hold of my wife. Uh, you know, this was before people texted and before iPhones, you know, and the news could pop up on your phone. And she was at a Bible study with our two little kids, and my other kid was at uh, was at first grade. And so I I couldn't get a hold of her. So I was like, you know, drove as fast as I could over to his school to get him out of school and take him back home. And then when my wife got back. She had no idea, uh, just like the guy at the ticket counter, she had no idea what had happened. And so I have the news on and she sees it and she sees the replay and she immediately understands that this is like serious stuff. And she just breaks down. And I look at her and I'm, man, I, I just uh, I go to me, it just sort of like epitomized what I think everybody in the country was thinking, like, holy cow. Like, this is just unbelievable. I mean, we had never been attacked before, you know, yeah. on our soil. Yeah. I mean, minus I mean, Hawaii, you know, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that was, that was different. Um, so I just, and as you know, I mean, as the day went on, they just kept on, you know, unsubstantiated reports and all this crazy stuff. And that, if I remember, man, that was going on for like a week. You know, they would be like, something a bomb found somewhere or you know alleged bomb or 
it was just a very stressful time. And it, and what worries me is is that um, that our leaders are are not going to remember. You know, we always say don't you know never forget and. You know, I just hope that doesn't become a catchphrase for, you know, our annual 9-11 event, because I do think that people do need to remember that we were attacked on our on our own soil and we have to be vigilant because I don't think we were very vigilant at that point uh, and, no, and, 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 and a little naive, quite frankly. So, yeah, I remember, you know, the coal being attacked and kind of being like, oh, well, that's, you know. Yeah, the coal was attacked, and and in a couple of I can't remember exactly a couple of years before the World Trade Center actually was attacked. I mean, in in the yeah, basement, yeah, ninety three, you know, the, in the bombs, bombs. And, and, right. and that was in the back of my mind. I remember that, you know, I remember before the second plane hit, I remember thinking, weird that it's the World Trade Center given the context of the ninety three attack. It's like okay, like something is a little off on this, and I think even like news people felt that too because you got the sense that. You know, this was this is a little different. And then then obviously the second plane hand, you're like, oh, my goodness. So but um, I do think I do think, you know, I do think our Tennessee leaders are are very cognizant of this. I, I know our two senators have been talking about it, about the importance of being vigilant and and uh, very attuned about what's going on, you know, internationally. But um, it, it does concern me. I mean, and we don't need to talk about this today, but just the way that we got out of Afghanistan is just very concerning. Um, yeah, because I think it uh, all comes back to being vigilant. Well, there was a movie, um, you know, a great movie actually, a great, even better book, um, you know, Charles War, that talked about you know Afghanistan and the um, Charlie just kind of funding. You know, it's almost single-handedly. Now the Reagan administration had a little bit of a different, you know, angle to that, but um, you know, they're like, oh, we had something to do with that too. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You movie. know, Charlie, Charlie Wilson, uh, and the the book's even better. Um, you know, is 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 funding this this Afghani kind of conflict against the Russians, and at the end of the movie, it talks about guys, let's let's build some schools. You know, let's let's talk about some ways to do this so it doesn't come back and. You know, lo and behold, 20 years later, you've got an entire, you know, uh, or 18 even, um, you know, kind of a, a militant young population who's angry at America. Um, you know, you just you don't want to see those seeds happening again. And, and here we are, <laughs> you know, planting seeds of, of discord. That's, you know, that's that just will, uh, you know, you just we have to be vigilant. I think you're right. You just have to stay on this and can't can't assume that it can't happen here. I think 9-11 was such a shock to so many people that hopefully that, um, you know, that vigilance remains and, and it's understood. And, you know, taking aside like the, you know, the, the being in Afghanistan for that long, okay. But, um, you know, there was a reason why we were there and it was pretty incredible. And, and one of the bigger things to think about, you know, during that time, 9-11, was the thought that there would be another attack of that magnitude somewhere in the future um you know just because you know it was just a thought that there would be so um you know that just i i, I think that's a good point you know remaining vigilance important well chris thanks for for sharing your story um like i said uh, everybody everybody has a story i think that the ones that are that actually happened in um in washington and new york or are 
not not to not that anybody else's story is very, is interesting, but it, it is very interesting to hear from people who are right there when it happened. Um, I certainly have mine. I think everybody, as I said, has their own story about where they were uh, at the time. But I do I do hope that people will not forget what happened on 9-11-2001. Yeah, you your story, Vanny. I mean, I, I think as part of what we wanted to do on this podcast is just tell our stories this week and get back to some regular programming. But, you know, there's just a lot of reflection and remembrance uh, on this day, particularly when it's a, a major anniversary like the 20th. Um, and so we, we hope, you know, th- our listeners kind of can help, you know, maybe this fosters an opportunity for them to want to share their stories too. We're happy to kind of have a forum about it, you know, somewhere down the line as well. I mean, this is obviously uh, an important part of our history, an important part of our our kind of national story. And uh, the only way we don't let history repeat itself is by re- telling those stories over and over again. So, you know, that's what, that's what the story of our life is, is telling stories about history. So that's right. Um, we look forward well, to getting back to the regular rotation next week and getting back into the swing with podcasts. It's good to see you again, Devaney and good to talk on, on the podcast. So yeah, thank you. We'll everybody see you next week. have a, yeah, everybody have a good weekend and, uh, you know, obviously remember nine 11, but also spend time with your family as well. And with that, uh, We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list. And a statue of Liberty started shaking her face.